Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. How to start training hard again after the off season. This is the time of year when most people are getting started thinking about training again and brainstorming what spring races they want to do. It's been a very long winter, and after the holidays, maybe you took more time off than you thought you would, and it can be a struggle to really get back into your routine. Maybe you are not where you thought you would be, and it is just really hard getting back into things. We want to do a deep dive into getting back into training after an off-season or after the holidays and have some tips for successfully setting you up for a long season of training ahead. Often people do too much too soon and burn out within a few months or worse, a few weeks of training. So I have with me today Jason Phillippe who has been running himself for 20 years and coaching for the last decade. He has coached you know, middle school, high school, and college athletes as well as at the club level, um, working with recreational and elite athletes, training for the marathon, half marathon, 5K, 10K, um, pretty much any race distance. And so we live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where, you know, we have the four seasons, very traditional. Um, in the winter right now, you know, it's sub-zero, right? We have the the freezing wind chills um, and, and a lot of things that come with that is the lack of motivation to obviously get out the door when, you know, there's ice on the ground and it's very cold outside. So it's either, you know, run in those conditions or run on the treadmill. Um, so I think the off season is something that a lot of Minnesotan runners really embrace sometimes because of, um, you know, just the terrible elements that we are faced with here. Um, and so I think because we struggle with it in such a, such a way, we are able to really kind of talk about the, the tips that we do to, you know, ease back into training and to get things kicked off again after, you know, an off season, taking time off just because it's too cold or, um, we just are struggling with getting out the door because of these horrible temperatures. So Jason, um, how long is an off season typically and when do they usually fall? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's going to depend on so many factors. Um, you know, how long you've been running, maybe what part of the country you live in, um, any races that you did um, in the fall. Um, for some, I would say, you know, a typical off season could be could be a month or two. Typically over the holidays, it's going to be a time where people uh, cut back what they're doing. Um, and in the off season, the definition of, I know we talked about this in previous podcasts, but it may look like it may look different for each person. For some, it might be no running at all. And it just might be, you know, um, focusing on other areas in their life and just not really doing much in terms of fitness. Um, and so obviously when we start up again, you know, their comeback is going to look a little bit different than someone that was on more of like a maintenance plan during their off season. Um, and I think that's very typical here, especially, you know, in the in the Midwest, we see a lot of runners in March who are in really good shape. And so obviously that tells us that their off season was probably spent uh, at least doing some form of running, maybe indoors, a mixture of indoor, outdoors, you know, getting outside on days where 
the footing is good or the temps aren't too cold. Um, so for some people who are, you know, hardcore runners, they maybe try to train year round. The off season for them might just look like uh, a week or two of not running, you know, after a big fall race or whatever. And then they maybe just kind of start running a few days a week and um, maybe just doing the a majority of like easy miles throughout the winter just to kind of maintain fitness. Um, I know for myself, um, an off season is probably going to look like three to f- three days a week or so just running maybe three to five miles, just enough to um, prevent my muscles from, you know, um, not, not getting, um, not getting the, the repetitive force of running because I've, I've known that if you take, um, quite, quite some time off of no running at all, it's, it's always hard to get back. And, um, you got to be very careful about adding too much too quickly. Yeah. I love how you said it's going to look different for everyone. And I think, you know, the off season, it's, it's so different from person to person than any other training cycle, you know, within a marathon training cycle, it's, it's pretty similar, right? Like you're increasing your miles, you got the long run, maybe you got a couple workouts during the week. Right. But during an off season, like it can look so different from one athlete to another one athlete might take an entire month off. Um, whereas another athlete is just running, you know, at just 25% reduced volume of what they were doing before. Um, and so it's just really going to look different just depending on where you've been at. So you're going to have to look at the history of what you did, you know, the last year or two, um, in order to establish like what sort of off season you need. Right. So if you haven't taken any time off in like two years, like at all, you haven't taken any off season, you might take a more extreme off season. Or if you had a really big buildup, um, you know, let's say you've been training to try to qualify for Boston for the last couple of years. And all of a sudden you, you finally hit that goal and you just had the biggest marathon buildup you've ever had. Um, some of those people might just be really mentally exhausted and need to take, um, an extended off season just because it's been so much concentrated work for such a long time. And I know we've had a podcast on off seasons and how to frame those up um, previously. And so this one is more about, okay, like once we've had this off season or once we've kind of given ourselves the break, so whether that was two weeks or two and a half months, um, now people, it's like, how do we get back into things? And I think that's going to depend on how much time you really took off and like kind of where you're at. Right. So we never want to like just jump back to what we were doing three months, four months ago. We always want to look at what I've been doing the last couple of couple of weeks, right? Like how do you ease back into things? And do you think that that is difficult to, to build on where you are now, if you're in an off season versus, you know, do you have the tendency to want to to look back and, and get um, back to those high miles and all that stuff. And do you think that this is more of like a boring phase of training? Um, and more often than not, people just want to skip it. Yeah, I think it's really unique to each individual. And I kind of, you know, when I'm working with an athlete or I'll even put myself in this category, depending on the off season that I had, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, they're, they're probably going to fall in one of three categories. They either didn't do really anything at all, or they were running kind of here and there, just maintaining a few easy runs. Um, or there are people that really, they just train like they kind of normally would with, with running five or six days a week, but they're not doing any races or workouts. So they're just kind of doing easy miles. And so I'm going to approach, you know, the, the, the comeback, I guess, uh, differently for each, for each type of person. Um, obviously if they've been running quite a bit, you know, we can kind of probably just uh, keep their mileage the same as we start to add workouts. Um, the hard part is for the other two categories, for people that are coming off of nothing or just coming off a little bit of something, you know, it's hard to progress back because, you know, we're going to be adding multiple stressor variables at once. You know, we're adding mileage, we're adding intensity possibly, um, or they're wanting that intensity rather if they have a race on the horizon. And I think that's a big challenge as a coach is, you know, the athletes that come to us in like January, um, they have a race in March. They really haven't been doing much. And so you got to be careful to balance, 
you know, adding the miles and um, the, the workouts at the same time, just because we don't want to set them up for injury. Um, and also we want to keep them, you know, mentally focus on, on training too. just looking at looking past that race in March. We don't want them to get to that race and then be, be done for a while because they're so burnt out. Yeah, I think that's a really common misconception of people. They think that, you know, they got a race on the calendar. Okay, let's say you want to train for grandmas in June and you just Google search like marathon training and you see a bunch of like 16 week training plans or like four month training plans. um, And you just assume like, okay, I just need four months to train. Um, and you're not doing anything before that. And then you come to us and you're like, yeah, I haven't really been running maybe a couple of times a week. And then you just want to dive right into like some 30 mile a week, uh, training. And I think that's really hard, you know, to face as a coach, just because you have to kind of explain like why we can't do that. And I understand that like at the beginning of a training cycle, when you have a race on the calendar and you want to kick off like a 16 week training cycle with, you know, your training, you want it to be exciting at first. I think like anytime someone starts a new training plan, they're expecting like this excitement or maybe they are really excited. Um, and if it, the mileage or like the workout intensity isn't matching like what they had anticipated for that first week, or if it's just not as exciting as they thought it would be, um, it can kind of be like a Debbie Downer and, and they sometimes will say, Hey, crank up the intensity. Hey, we need like longer, long runs here. Can I run, you know, 14 instead of 12? Um, so I think the biggest thing is making sure that you're training with a purpose during this time and you're not trying to like jump to the next phase because, you know, the beginning part of any training cycle, like right now, um, it's typically not exciting and it's a little bit more on like the boring end of things. I would say, um, you know, it's important to have a solid base going into training for a number of reasons. So even if you're not an injury prone runner, like I rarely, I don't get injured hardly at all. I can do, you know, some dumb things and still not get injured. Historically, if you've looked at things I've done, um, you know, before I I knew any better, I just was not someone that got injured a lot. And so what would end up happening to me, it was more on like the mental burnout side. And, um, so I think it's going to catch up with you one way or another, right? Like if you do something that isn't appropriate with your training. And so it's either going to be a physical injury, which is more often the case. Um, but it could also be mental burnout. Like if you're someone that's like, Oh, I can handle it, which you might be able to, but mentally you can only handle it for so long until your body asks uh, for a break, like your, your mind and your body together. And so what mental burnout might look like is, you know, decreased performance times. So you might not be injured, but on race day, you're just flat. Um, you don't run the times that you want to run. You're not able to improve. You stagnate, um, or you just have like a bad mental attitude, right? There's a lot of things that can go into, um, just the burnout overtraining, all those things. And you don't want to go down that route because I think that sometimes the, um, burnout mentality, it's harder to get out of that hole sometimes than it is, you know, like a running related injury. So it's neither one are good. And so we would just want to avoid both by, you know, taking things slow and making sure we're building at a progressive, appropriate pace for, each athlete. Um, so Jason, have you ever gotten overly eager at the beginning of a training cycle yourself as an athlete, or is this kind of a phase that you have always kind of perfected or are there any lessons that you've learned over the years as an athlete yourself you could share? 
yeah, I definitely haven't perfected this. You know, I've made my uh, mistakes of, um, you know, as I start ramping up because I see a race on the calendar, I get excited. And, um, you know, it's really common for me to feel really good uh, going into workouts and that sort of thing. So I'll probably run like too fast or do too many um, or won't recover. And then that can be a, a recipe for an injury. I've had my fair share of like calf injuries over the years. It's kind of the only, you know, injury that's kept me out or sent me back. But, um, I think, yeah, you have to be very careful. I think following the plan is really the key there because then you're not going to overdo it and do more. So I think that's why it's so important to maybe to have a coach or at least follow a plan where you're um, making sure you're following the, the progressive overload principle because, um, you know, if you're someone like me, um, you've had to miss races in the past, it's not a good feeling. Or you've had to miss training because you've, you've, you're have too aggressive. Um, that's not a good feeling either. Um, and a lot of times it's maybe because your off season wasn't what it should have been. Like if I was maintaining more miles during the off season, I probably would have been, had a, had a better foundation heading into the start of the season. So I, my body probably would have been able to handle, um, you know, the increase, um, the increased stressors that I'm starting to add in because, um, you know, now I'm not just doing higher mileage, but I'm doing more workouts and that can take a toll on your body. Right. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. Um, but I feel like you, you kind of do have it more perfected than you think, um, when it comes to coming back. Yeah. And it is definitely something that you learn over time and it's always a work in process. And one of like the biggest key things that I've learned is it's better to do a little bit less than to do more. Um, it's better to show up a little bit under trained slightly than it is to be overtrained. Um, and that's always kind of like the rule of thumb. So I guess going into the idea of framing this up, trying to get people back to building their mileage and setting a strong foundational base. Um, let's say you started implementing more cross training or yoga, uh, strength training, all of those things during your off season, just because you had more time. Um, is that something that you should continue doing on how should you, um, kind of structure your weeks and keep those in or eliminate some of them when needed um, as you build your mileage back up? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say perfectly fine to keep keep it part of your routine, especially the first few weeks as you're, let's say you're coming into your, um, you know, the base, base uh, building phase of your training. And so let's say you've been biking like three days a week. So I think, you know, for a week or two, you can keep it that or drop down to two. And then eventually you can drop down to one, that sort of thing. And you may always keep a day in there for cross training just on your easy recovery days. Um, cause you're not going to go from running, you know, two days a week or less to all of a sudden running four or five days. Um, especially early on, you're not going to do that. So you're going to have the time. You're going to have those days for your cross training. Um, you know, you definitely want to start thinking about adding the strength training too to complement if you haven't been doing that. Um, but I have athletes, you know, year round, keep, keep the bike days in there, especially once a week, just because it's good to, um, you know, have that active recovery. And then if they're only running four days a week, um, maybe they're biking one day a week that gives them two complete recovery days. No sense really having three complete recovery days. You know, if you're looking to really build fitness and you have access to the bike and you're motivated, I would say do that. Um, it's definitely good for, uh, continuing to build your aerobic foundation. Yeah, definitely. So like you said, everything was just gradual, right? So when I came back from, you know, a four or five month off season where I was kind of more focused on biking and swimming, um, I kept the bike in for about, you know, six to eight weeks there, like, because you just can't build your mileage back that fast, even though, you know, you could have the strongest base in the world, right? So I've been running 2000 miles a year for the last decade, but that doesn't mean that I can just jump back into running 40 miles a week, which is, you know, about 2000 miles in a year. Um, I had to kind of gradually get there because I knew if, you know, I jumped right into it, maybe you'd get a little flare up here or there. 
or just mentally it would just be um, more of like a burnout thing. So it's, it's important to do it gradually. And even though I'm not someone that is prone to injury, um, injuries still can happen and flare-ups still can happen. Um, and it's just better to ease your body into things because the progressive overload is a lot better for you than just diving into, Hey, like, let me max myself out. Um, so anytime like you are towing the line of like maxing yourself out, that is risky business. And so gradually cutting things out as you increase your mileage is great. But like you said, keeping the strength training in, um, keeping the yoga in, because those are supplemental to training. So, you know, biking sometimes is done in the place of easy running, but when it comes to strength training and yoga, those are practices that supplement your running and they're not done um, to replace easy running or to replace hard running. Strength training is something that you should always be doing. And so if it's something that you added in during the off season, I think continuing to do that throughout your next training cycle is going to be huge. Um, and then just framing it up in a way where you're not completely exhausted from it, right? So that might mean you're only strength training two or three days a week as opposed to maybe during the off season, you got really into CrossFit or something and you went five days a week. Um, so you might just need to scale back a little bit but it's something that you should still keep in. Whereas I think cross training, you might get to the point where you eliminate it completely if you don't need it. If you're an athlete that runs six days a week um, and that's been historically fine for you, um, it just varies from person to person. So when it comes to adding back mileage, kind of what is the rule of thumb when it comes to increasing your mileage week over week? Yeah, good question because I know it's going to depend on the athlete and the experience and all that and what their off-season looked like. You know, somebody who was kind of maintaining some runs here and there, they could probably, you know, you could probably add 20% mileage week after week. But for most runners, you're probably going to stick to like a 10% increase, which isn't very much, especially if, you know, if you're running 10 or 15 miles in a week, you know, that's only adding a couple miles week after week. So, and then you, you too, you have to think about like adding cutbacks. And if you're going to start to add a workout here and there, you can't also you know, increase by a 20%, um, adding, adding workouts in. So, um, just going to depend on the level of, of the, the, the level that the runners at kind of how long they've been running. Um, you know, for myself, like, I feel like I could do, I could go from running 10 miles in a week up to running 20 or 25 the next week, as long as it's easy miles. I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to have any flare ups or anything like that. But if I also add in like a workout, that's where that could be a recipe um, for an injury flare up a couple weeks later, because um, you're not really allowing yourself a chance to recover from that. You're also adding the volume. And so that's really the key is really taking a deep dive into the person's past history, um, recent training, what that's looked like, um, you know, all, all those factors, and then really just building the plan to get them to slowly build and progress. Um, for some athletes too, like new runners, um, I may add cross training, even if they haven't been doing any, we may add cross training just to keep their amount of minutes, um, at a certain level, because let's say we're doing run walks for like 30 minutes, three or four days a week, you know, we can also benefit from some, some biking or swimming if they have access to that. So we may add cross training too, to kind of supplement, um, kind of that aerobic foundation or aerobic development. Right. Yeah. And so it does really vary from person to person. And there are always those three stress variables to look at. So it's not always as easy as saying, yeah, increase your mileage by 10% per week, um, whatever. There are other variables to look at, right? So there's the mileage, like the volume, how, how often are you running? Like how, how many miles per week are you running? 
Then there's like the intensity. So if you have been doing workouts or not, how many workouts per week have you been doing? Um, are you doing like 20% of your weekly mileage as workouts or were you doing more like, you know, four by one minute pickups and that was it. Um, and then the long run factor. So how long was your longest long run? Um, how do you feel about running like a 12 miler right now? Um, based on like where your training's at, like how long would it take to kind of build to that level? So, you know, when I'm in an off season, my long run is probably the thing that I'm doing the least. Um, I'm probably not ever running more than 75 minutes at a time during an off season. So for me, that's the thing that kind of builds the slowest. And I know for other people it's workouts, right? Like they don't do any sort of workouts in the winter. Um, and so when they build their workouts back in, that's the thing they have to take the slowest again. So it might take them several months to build up to like a workout, like a six mile tempo run, because that's very, um, that's a very like aggressive, intense workout, right? Whereas me, it would just take me a couple of months to build up to that, you know, two, two and a half hour long run because from what I was doing, you know, 75 minutes, it's, it's a build. And so you have to look at what was I doing the least of um, and what's going to, that's going to take the longest to, to rebuild. Um, and for some people, that's the mileage thing. So if you haven't been running any miles, it's going to take you a couple of months to, to rebuild to that point. And you might be able to introduce short workouts during that time and that not be an issue. Um, but you really have to be aware of where you've been at and focus on your training because each person's off season is going to look so different. And you might be watching someone else come back who ran the same race as you in the fall or had the same training as you last year. And their comeback might look very different than yours. And there's a couple things to remember there. Number one, they might not be doing it correctly. <laughs> Number two, um, they might've had a totally different off season than you. Like, you know, if their long run was the factor that they kept in, if they kept doing two hour long runs during their off season, you're not supposed to do that. But if, if they did, um, they might be able to jump into, you know, that two, two and a half hour long run right away. And so to compare and look over at what they're doing, um, would be doing an injustice to you. So just focusing on where you're at and the factors that you need to work on, um, when you increase things back is really important. So I guess, you know, the whole idea of building back from this off season is because you have a race on the calendar, right? You're training for something and that's usually like the number one question, right? When is the best time to race for the first time and what is it going to look like based on when you do this first race in the training cycle? So are you a fan of someone are you a, someone who is a fan of doing workouts at the beginning of the season to kind of see where you're at or, you know, a couple weeks in? What are the benefits to doing a race kind of at that beginning season versus waiting until you've peaked or waiting until you're in PR shape? Yeah, good question. Um, there are some benefits if you do a race really early in the season. It's good to get a baseline for exactly like where your fitness is at so that we can make sure you're training at the, at the correct paces, especially if, you know, it had been a while since you you um, have been doing uh, some regular training. We want to make sure that the training's aligned to your current fitness. But um, I'm a fan of kind of waiting just because I think it's, um, you know, for that that sake of making sure our body is prepared and ready to tackle the distance. Um I think a good time frame is probably six to 12 weeks, depending on, um, you know, again, what your off season looked like. And, you know, I know that the title of this podcast is how to start training hard again after an off season. It should maybe be about how to start training smart again after, after an off season, because um, the people that can really train hard, right, coming out of an off season are probably the ones who had a strong base in their off season. Um, 
because then you can start to train hard with workouts and that sort of thing on, you know, the, the fitter you are, the faster your body is going to adapt to the new training stimuli. So you might recover faster from workouts. Um, if you're coming out of not doing a whole lot, you have to be careful because um, it's going to take our body time to recover. And so we have to train a little bit smarter, not harder. So I think it can take some time. But, um, you know, it really depends on what your goal is too for that first spring race. If it's just to kind of go out and have fun and get some experience and a hard work, hard effort running, then that's fine. Um, you can do it probably sooner than later. But if you have like a time goal associated to that race and you really want to achieve it, um, I think you got to be really, um, you know, really smart about, your approach and your training leading up to that race to make sure you're not going to like, um, you know, train foolishly jeopardize doing too much to try to hit a certain time goal. Um, it needs to be aligned with kind of what your off season look like. And for me, I'll never set a goal of running too fast for that first race in March, just because for that reason, I don't want to be disappointed, but I also don't want to put my body under too much stress to achieve that, that high expectation. Right. Yeah. So I think early season races can be kind of hit or miss, like knowing who you are as an athlete um, and knowing yourself is really important. So, you know, if you're someone that's used to PRing and running your personal best at every single race and you know, like you just don't want to run a race if you potentially aren't going to, you know, be in that sort of shape maybe skipping it all together. But I think as a coach, there are benefits to doing, you know, a race, you know, as a coach, I would recommend that there are benefits to doing races, even if you're not in PR shape. Obviously, number one, for practice. Number two, it's really good to get a good gauge of where you are fitness-wise. And I know a lot of athletes don't want to race unless they're in shape, but that gives you a starting point for, like, the fitness that you're in. Otherwise, we're just kind of taking a guess, right? Like, if you're not doing a time trial, um, there's really no honest way for me as your coach to know exactly the shape that you're in. So, you actually are doing a disservice to yourself for us to like assume you're in, you know, 21 minute 5k shape when really you're in like 20, 30 5k shape, or maybe you're in 20, 21, 30, you know, like we don't know exactly where you're at. So there's a little bit of guesswork. Um, and then that guesswork is translated into all of your paces that you're running for workouts. Um, so if you're running too fast for your workouts, you're not really able to reach your potential in the same way. And if you're running too slow for your workouts, you might feel like you're not being challenged and it just isn't going to stress your body the same way to elicit that same response. And so while I know a lot of people don't like racing if they're not in you know their peak shape, there are a lot of benefits to getting a baseline reading for where your fitness is at because if you're you know, it keeps you honest with your training. Um, so, I mean, how often have you gone into a race when you don't really know what shape you're in and it's just kind of like a baseline fitness thing and you're almost surprised by the results, but at the same time, you're happy that you did it because you know, okay, now I know what paces I need to be training at. Whereas before it's almost like, I personally feel like I tend to overshoot my paces. Like I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm in X shape when really I'm not like I it's wishful thinking right like you wish you're in certain shape but you have to train at the appropriate paces um and so what is the downside of assuming you're in you know a certain shape versus actually going out and racing to figure out what shape you're in yeah I mean like you said if you um if you overshoot your paces then obviously you're 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 putting more stress on your body so that's not good I would err on the side of caution like to assume you know I, I get a pretty good feel for the kind of shape an athlete's in if I can examine their recent history um 
you know, like when was their last race? What, what have their miles been like or their weekly mileage been like the last few weeks to months? What was their longest run? That sort of thing. What kind of workouts have they been incorporating? And, you know, you can, you can get a pretty good idea. But again, like you said, there's no way to really know for sure. So I guess I'd rather, for myself speaking, I'd rather kind of err on the side of caution and do workouts that are um, aligned to slightly slower paces or, um, you know, time goals and what I think I could maybe hit. Um, and then on race day, you know, typically it's just going to, depending on the day, I might surprise myself. And that's always a good thing. I'd rather do that than to overshoot and then be a little disappointed. Um, so I think it just depends kind of on the experience level of the athlete. Right. And even how you were saying, you, you know, what shape you're in going into pretty much any race, I can say it's the same for me. Um, personally as an athlete too, it's like, you know, you go to these races at the beginning of the season and you pretty much know what time you're going to run. Um, but then people might say, okay, then what's the point of doing it? Like if you know that you're within, you know, a couple seconds per mile on either side, um, I thought you said the idea was to get a gauge for your fitness. And it's like, yes, of course you want to like assure that you're where you thought you were, but also at the same time, it's really important to like do those rust busters. And so that's what they're called. Like if you haven't raced in a long time, you have to like bust off that rust, right? Like you become rusty, you forget how to do it. Um, and so it's just kind of going out there and going through the motions of doing it instead of being like, yeah, like I would do it. No, you actually have to do it, right? Like you have to prove that like mentally, um, I think there's that aspect of remembering how to race because physically, yeah, your fitness might be there, but if mentally you're like turned into a head case or like you're, you're so afraid to like go out there with competition or whatever, um, then that's something that needs to be addressed as well. Right. So you need to not only on that physical level, um, show that you have the fitness there, but also mentally like show yourself, Hey, I can still do this, this thing. Um, and then just kind of addressing all of those mental things that go into racing. So you might realize like, wow, like I'm a lot more positive. So whatever I was doing during the off season, um, mental training wise has helped, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like, Whoa, like I was really negative during that race. Like I need to kind of do some reflection on what's going on here. Um, cause then it gives you a baseline for, for those things as well. And so I think it's really important to not be afraid to race. I know a lot of people get, you know, anxiety or they get, you know, they, they assign too much importance to one specific yeah. race, whereas it's just really good to get a rest buster on. So I think, you know, you can have a first race of the season be within, within you know, a month of kicking things back off again. Um, it might not be pretty. It might not feel great, but it's actually like when you're done, it feels so good to kind of have that first one in your belt. And it's like super exciting to kick things off. Um, even if it's like way slower than your PR, it's still fun to get back out there. And I think that that is the thing that really kicks things into motion and gets people really excited about the season ahead instead of, you know, oh, like this is the first day of my training plan. I think it's really like that first race that gets you lit up for things. Um, so I guess, you know, talking about this first race of the season and some people maybe running a little slower than what they did in the fall. And I know for you, um, personally that, that tends to be kind of like the experience. Cause once you reach, you know, a hot, super high level, I feel like it's really hard to maintain mm-hmm. that same fitness. So a lot of people listening, maybe they come right out of the gate after an off season, they PR. Um, but for other people who have been running for a longer period of time, or maybe um, the seconds are just so close, you know, like in every race, like they're just trying to PR by one second. Um, how long does it take to really like get back into the same shape that you were in in the fall? Um, and what should be like the expectation for athletes? Yeah, great question. A lot of that will depend on what your off season look like. Um, and is the distance you're training for, is it similar? Or is it different? I know a lot of people do like 
the big marathon or whatever in the fall. And then maybe the winter will just look like base mileage. And then they'll start with like a 5k or 10k or 8k in the spring. And so I think that that's a good change of pace. Chances are they, they had a period over their off season where it was just base mileage. And then they started adding some new workouts. And I'm guessing those workouts were probably a little bit faster than maybe what they were doing in the fall. Um, so there may be, you know, they're having to compare like the shape they're in for a different race distance, um, in the spring as opposed to the fall. Um, so that's actually a good thing. I think it's, it can, um, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, always add up for us to be thinking about like, Oh, comparing so much, like, Oh, I lost fitness or whatever. Cause it's different. You're, you're looking at different distances and then you have more time to build for your next training cycle into the spring. Um, for those people that do like two marathons a year or whatever, it may not be the case. They maybe jump into that second marathon cycle. So, you know, they may know exactly, um, you know, comparing the two fitnesses. Um, it'll really just depend. It could take, take a month or two. It could take, you might spend your whole entire spring trying to get it back. It's going to depend on what your off season look like, how made it motivated you were to, um, you know, continue with base training that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Again, varying from person to person and from experience to experience, um, you know, the first couple of years, your runner, you might come off of an off season or even taking, you know, a couple of months off and be just as fit, if not fitter within a couple of weeks. Whereas someone who maybe has been training for a really long time, um, that might not be the case, but I think, you know, in order to see the physiological changes, um, associated with training, they usually say it takes about six weeks. Um, but you can obviously get, you know, mentally stronger or just better at racing um within you know a day right so it just really depends on what you're improving on so you know the reason that you know within like a cross-country season you might have so many races it's not necessarily because you know you're improving after six days that's not why you go out and race again it's more just to get the practice under your belt um, and to improve in those ways. And so it's hard to say exactly when you personally as an athlete are going to see physiological changes or when you're going to become better because maybe you just became better because you just became mentally tougher over the off season, right? Um, whereas like physiologically, they do say it takes about six weeks to build and to see benefits of training. And so it does just really depend. And I think, you know, waiting a couple of months in order to see the progress is definitely a good rule of thumb. So don't go into your training expecting to see results right away. Um, You might feel a little sluggish the first couple of months. Um, That's totally normal. You might be slower than where you were anticipating that you thought you would be. And again, that's totally normal. Um, But the idea is that you peak later in the season, right? So you want it to be a little bit of a longer build. And just because you're still hitting paces that were slower than you were last year, the first couple of months, doesn't mean that by the fall, you're not going to be in the best shape of your life, right? So it's all about trusting the process and being patient during those times where maybe you're running a little slower than you thought you would. Um, I think you have to really stay honest to where your fitness is at and where your paces are at. And that's when you will be able to start seeing the improvements and reach that next level. Because where I often see people uh, start to not improve or start to stagnate is when they reach for paces that they're not quite at yet. And they are doing workouts that are a little bit too aggressive. Um, and then it's just, it's, they're just never able to progress or build because they're always reaching a little bit further than they should. And their body doesn't make physiological adaptations that make them faster. It's just stagnant. 
Um, so it's just really important to remember all of these things when you're coming back into training after an off season. And I know it can be a really tough time motivationally just because it's kind of like blah and boring, um, building that base at times. Some people really enjoy the process of base building. Other people are just more anxious to get the ball rolling and get to that peak training where they're in really good shape and their mileage is like the highest it's ever been. So I think ways that you can keep things exciting is to focus on what you're building in each week. So we talked about the three different stress variables, that long run, the mileage, and the workouts. And so really focusing on which one of those you're building that week and using that to be like your outlet. So if it's, you know, building mileage, really just focusing on that as the positive. If you're adding in a workout, really using that as like your energy day um, to really get excited and to kind of show what, what you are really excited about, right? Um, and then another way that you can, you know, show off your excitement and to keep things exciting is to sign up for a race that's in a couple of weeks or, you know, a month or two down the road. So you have something that's a little bit closer on the calendar and you can start brainstorming about how you want to feel during that race and thinking about goals for that as well. So while we know it can be a little bit of a boring time to get back into training, it's huge in how you're going to feel later this year. So it's super important to get back on the horse and don't extend your off season longer than it needs to be because consistency with your training is key. And the better of a base you have, the better you're going to feel during your next training cycle. So you really want to set yourself up for success, um, even though it might not be the most exciting season right now. It is the most important season for having a good year. So if you ever have any questions or you just need some help with some of the structure because it's a lot to take in and a lot of it can be so customized from person to person, we actually have coaches here who would love to get training with you for a free seven-day trial. We look at everything you have been doing, your whole athlete background, and we develop a plan specific to you. So if you're curious what that might look like, even just for a week for free, you can go to our website, www.runforprs.co, fill out the form there, and we can get you set up with that free seven-day trial.